Dissecting Dexter is brought to you by Audible.com. For your free audiobook download and free trial, go to www.audibletrial.com slash Dexter. Hi everyone, welcome back once again to Dissecting Dexter. I'm Gareth Watkins, coming to you from East Yorkshire, England today. I'm not in the mobile studios, I usually am. Actually today I am working from home um, for childcare reasons, so my three-year-old is downstairs watching Mr Tumble on um, on the telly at the moment, so if we get interrupted I do apologise. Um, not quite old enough to get into Dexter yet, but uh, I'm planning on it when he's... Um, you know, when he's four, maybe, in a couple of weeks' time. <laughs> no, I jest. Uh, but no, I am working from home today, so um, we won't have the usual um, Royal Air Force interruptions. Uh, so apologies if you miss that. Um, you might hear the rain on the window. It's horrible out there today. Um, we've enjoyed well, we've enjoyed a good couple of weeks of really nice, warm, sunny weather here in the UK. And it's been brilliant. We've got out well, as a family, we've got out and done all sorts of stuff, enjoying the uh, the British weather, the the sunny British weather, and and getting out into the countryside. And yeah, it's it's nice. It's it's good to get out because God knows we have enough crappy weather here. <laughs> There's plenty of weekends when we can't get out and and do much, and you know, then it's cinema or swimming or <laughs> or something or, or staying at home and pottering about and the kids climbing the walls so no here in the uk we're always grateful uh and never complacent when the weather's good um but well it's been officially we've we've had drought conditions in certain areas of the uk and where i live here in east yorkshire is no exception um but uh we we did have some extended uh rainy weather and and, and the drought sort of cleared but um well the rain's come back and um it's it's miserable out there so i'm quite glad to be inside and not having to drive to work today although um i do need to keep an eye on my laptop should any faults come in so um i guess i shouldn't have said that i hope no one from work listens to this <laughs> no i'm entitled to a lunch hour so it's all right it's all right we're all good um <laughs> okay so um it's not been so long since i last talked to you it's it's been well, it doesn't seem like that long but it's still been a couple of weeks i think um, but certainly not the the long hiatus that we had between the previous two, barring the uh, the interview with with David Zayas. Um, what I did forget to mention last time was that uh, also in between uh, the previous two rewatch podcasts, I also did a podcast. Uh, well, actually, it was it was appearing on someone else's podcast. Our, our friend Heath Solo, who has appeared on Dissecting Dexter on a couple of occasions, um, I was on his show, The Film List, and had a really great chat with him about my top ten favourite films. Um, Dissecting Dexter was... Dis- put my teeth back in. Dissecting Dexter was mentioned. We talked about that a little bit and about the Zayas interview. Um, so, but if specific, more importantly, oh, I'm not doing very well, am I? My speech today i've not had a drink i promise <laughs> dearie me um specifically though the podcast was talking about my favorite films so you know if you're interested in hearing about my top 10 favorites um then check out the film list better still just check out the film list anyway it's a great podcast heath does a really good job on there 
varying the topics. He talks about films, talks about TV. They have roundtables about specific TV shows. Uh, Heath goes through his own. He's been doing a, a rundown of his top 100 favourite films. So definitely a show to check out if you're interested in just informal conversation about the world of entertainment, shall we say. And uh, if you've heard Heath on Dissecting Dexter before, you know he's a great guy, a good talker, and uh, and he knows his films. So um, check out the film list. And uh, if you go back a couple of episodes, you'll find my one, Gareth's Top Ten favourite films so yeah it'll be good if you, you go and check that out and let me know what you think if you do happen to listen to it we went for a good two and a half hours which will come as no surprise if uh, you're used to me waffling on as I do on here <laughs> or on my other podcast Gareth's Waste of Time I do have a tendency to ramble and waffle and digress <laughs> uh, okay so I'm not going to waffle too much now as I see I've already gone five minutes how did that happen <laughs> Okay, let's get on to some Dexter. We are almost on the home straight of Season 2. We're up to Season 2, Episode 8. Episode title, Morning Comes. So, let's not prevaricate any longer and dive into that. The original air date, the 18th of November, 2007. Written by Scott Buck and directed by Keith Gordon. Both of whom we've talked about before. Scott, Scott Buck, of course, is the current showrunner of Dexter. Let's dive in, shall we? Here we go. The episode opens with a very uncomfortable domestic scene at Dexter's apartment, where he still shares with Deb, but he notes how since the fire, Lila's been staying there a lot more, and... Deb, of course, is clearly irritated by Lila's presence there, and I don't blame her. <laughs> Although for one who has quite a checkered love life, Deb really is giving Dexter a hard time over this. But then again, maybe she recognises her own shortcomings in the romantic department, but just expects better from her brother, maybe. Dexter finds a toy dragon in his bag, and he tells Lila that Cody likes to hide things there, and she says that he's trying to control him. I can see a point, although Dexter cuts Cody some slack because of his age, but I think this is the writers hammering us over their head with the theme of control that we talked about in the last podcast. Lila controlling Dexter, Dexter controlling Dokes. This is a bit typical of TV shows, though, treating viewers like idiots sometimes and driving a message home that we'd picked up on our own, thank you very much. Ah, I, I know viewers are not all the same, but I thought it was like hitting us with a sledgehammer with the message of control there. So Dexter duly goes straight round to Rita's to return the dragon. And when Cody sees it, he says, Oh, I knew you'd find it. Obviously, Lila was right. He did hide it, hoping Dexter would find it and then return it so he could see him again. OK, yes, it is controlling in a childlike way. But in Cody's mind, he just wants to see Dexter. I think it's sweet. Rita's not happy about him dropping by, though, and she tells him not to do it again. It's Paul all over again, she says. It's hard on her and the kids. To be fair, she does have a point. She's broken up with him, and although Paul was violent and drug-riddled and presented a very real threat, the base principle is similar. Rita just wants to move on. Back at the police department, Lundy's telling a very pissed-off task force that they're under investigation 
following through with the theory that the butcher has at least some connection to or experience of law enforcement. After the meeting, Masuka and Batista are talking to Dexter. They're still pissed off and ranting to Dexter about the new direction of the case. Dexter's alarm is obvious to us and who could blame him, especially when Lundy comes in and says he wants to go over some of his cases with him. It seems my manifesto unintentionally helped Lundy narrow his focus. That's what I get for trying to emulate Lila and take the offensive. I've always worked best in the shadows. That's where I have to stay. So yeah, Dexter realises he made a mistake allowing himself to be influenced by Lila. She has no idea how a serial killer needs to operate. She knows nothing about Harry's code. Dexter knows now he should have hung back, but had his guard down with Lila and wrongly tried to control Lundy's investigation, in the way that he did. Later, LaGuerta meets up with Dokes, telling him the latest about the investigation. We know these two used to be partners and have known each other a long time. They've got a long-standing friendship, so it's not surprising she's meeting with him, despite suspending him in the last episode. Let's face it, he didn't leave her any choice. Dokes gives no hint here of wanting to pursue Dexter or wanting any kind of revenge for being set up for a fall. Instead, he's just saying he's gone as far as he can in the police force, moving on. LaGuerta offers to set up a meeting with a private security contractor about getting some work. Back at the police station, Lundy asks Deb to review the Rodrigo case, one of the butcher victims, and an old case of Dokes and Batista's. She makes a comment about not wanting to check into colleagues' cases. It'd feel weird. I like Lundy's reply here. Gosh, I'd hate for you to feel weird. <laughs> it's funny because you can see from his face that he's not talking about the case there. Now, we don't know if they've discussed their kiss since, since their lunchtime romantic interlude last episode, but obviously he's referring to that. It must be the elephant in the room. Lundy then asks Deb out to dinner, and she looks really genuinely happy to be asked. Bless her. At Lila's apartment, Dexter's helping her clean up, and she's talking about the insurance company not paying up yet because they think the fire was suspicious. Dexter looks around and he notices the multiple points of origin of the fire. Of course, we saw her with the blowtorch, setting fire to different things in the place. And you can see on his face that his mind is whirring. We know Dexter's a clever guy. Some pieces must be starting to join together. Lila goes on to ask him about his visit to Rita's and he says about it being awkward. And she tells him that he can't go back, again trying to control. She indirectly suggests that they go to bed, but he makes a quick excuse about having to work and leaves. Her irritation is obvious. He even gets a whatever. Don't you hate that? <laughs> As he walks away down the hall, I like the lighting here. He's lit from slightly above, so his eyes are in shadow. It's a nice effect, like he's in his killer mindset thinking how he has doubts about Lila maybe starting the fire and how he can't take risks right now. Nice to see him thinking a bit more sensibly again. Notice the blood theme playing in the background of this scene. They use it sparingly, but I appreciated its use here. Dexter goes for his meeting with Lundy. Hey, you wanted to... Morgan, come in. Can I offer you some tea? Uh, no, thank you, I'm... And he pours it anyway. He's trying to throw me off balance, show that I don't have the power to say no to him. 
How about some sesame crackers to go with that? So I'll say yes to everything. I'd love some. Oh, sorry. Guess I ate them all. Asshole. I love that bit. Nice touch of humour that the show does so well. It also illustrates the intellect of both men. Lundy doesn't necessarily think Dexter's the butcher, but he's still deploying certain tactics for his interviews with the department. While at the same time, Dexter recognises this and tries to counter it, but ends up losing this opening exchange. Lundy displays no reaction to this, though, and presses on. He asks Dexter what sort of food Deb prefers, and flatters Dexter about the quality of his blood reports, before hammering him back down by picking up on the Rodrigo case where his blood work was plain sloppy and he wonders why. In voiceover, Dexter tells us it was so that he could get the perpetrator on his table and take him out of commission permanently. It's a pretty clever but obvious interview tactic from Lundy, but it worked and really seemed to catch Dexter off guard. He tries to defend the finer points of his report, the points that the court proved to be wrong, It's a pretty poor effort, really, (laughs) and it's not convincing Lundy. Of course, we know why Dexter wanted to kill the guy. The actual case was one of manslaughter, but the guy was a killer of multiple victims, and this case would have only put him away for a few years. Dexter screwed up the blood work on purpose so he'd be acquitted, leaving Dexter to take him out. In the end, Dexter's defeated and admits his mistake and blames being overworked. Lundy looks disappointed, but let's face it, it's far better than him looking at Dex like he's the Bay Harbour butcher. (laughs) Meanwhile, Batista's now cooperating and he's reviewing the Rodrigo case with Deb. Deb picks up on Rodrigo's neighbour being nosy and noticing everything. They go to speak to him. The guy is your classic nosy Parker, taking notes about anything that catches his eye from his window. They take away his notes from the year that Rodrigo was killed to see if there are any notes from the day he went missing. But my God, wasn't wasn't his apartment just filled to the rafters with boxes upon boxes of notes? The guy must have a screw loose or just complete sense of paranoia. You wouldn't want to live next door to a guy like that. Back at the station, the irony of the situation isn't lost on Dexter his own sister looking for evidence to lead the investigation to her brother's door. She tells him he's... Put my teeth back in. She tells him she's got a date with Lundy. Dexter makes a pseudo tongue-in-cheek comment about sleeping her way to the top, and she gets all pissy, but this is manipulator Dexter in action. Plant the seed of doubt, and maybe she'll think better of sleeping with the man who's hunting him. Deb bites back, though. You are not allowed to talk about anyone I date as long as you're seeing Little Miss. Pardon my tits. I'm sorry, Dex, but she is gross. And pale. And nobody is pale in Miami. She is obviously a vampire. A gross English titty vampire. You just described the perfect woman. But Dex gets the final word. Good little speech from Deb there and nice delivery from Jennifer Carpenter. That evening, Dex gets a surprise call from Lila. Surprise after she'd gone a bit frosty earlier. She wants to hook up, but Dex makes an excuse about going bowling. She wants to come and watch, though, and she won't take no for an answer, despite Dexter trying to put her off. He's really withdrawn from her, isn't he? It suggests he was never too bothered about her on a romantic level, which won't come as a big surprise, 
and the help she offered helped with his recovery. It seemed to work for a while, but he's realised that he's better not he's better not heeding her advice and working alone. So Dexter goes bowling when he hadn't actually planned to, but it's an amusing scene with some banter between Batista and Masuka. I love their bowling shirts, which I think we've probably commented on before, that the ones that have got the slogan bowl till you bleed on the back. And Masuka's bowling ball has a skull in it. Lila's all girly and flirty and cringeworthy, and obviously doing her level best to ingratiate herself with Dexter's friends. Batista gets a funny line calling uh, or likening Masuka to a retarded puppy, but they seem very impressed with Lila. Obviously, that was her goal. Elsewhere, Deb arrives at Lundy's apartment to find they're eating there. Lundy's cooking and he makes a comment about her potty mouth. She says he'd better get used to it. And they have a very cute exchange before getting playful and having a snog. This storyline could easily get creepy, but for me, I think they're handling it rather nicely. It's appropriate to Deb's character. And you could buy Lundy being intrigued by her. And opposites attract, of course. Back with Dexter... And as they leave the bowling alley, who should be hiding in wait but Santos Jimenez? Remember him? We saw him a few episodes ago when Dexter went to confront him. He's the lovely man who murdered Dexter's mother with a chainsaw. He comes at Dexter with a knife. Dexter gets cut, but Batista and Masuka come running, both armed, and Jimenez drives off. Did you see the size of Masuka's gun? Wow, what a piece. (laughs) Typical of Masuka to have a gun that size. It reminds me of the joke the, about men who drive flashy sports cars. Stereotypical joke, making up for shortcomings in other departments. <laughs> anyway, back at Lila's, she's patching Dexter up and he tells her who the assailant was. She tells him whatever happens, she won't leave his side. And strangely, he says he won't leave hers. This surprised me. He'd been trying to avoid her and now he says this. Maybe he's just vulnerable after being surprised by his mother's killer. But he seems like a puppy dog in her arms, and (laughs) it's a bit pathetic. I was thinking, for heaven's sake, Dexter, wake up! Wanted to give him a shake. (laughs) I was wondering if Lila led Jimenez to Dexter to set this whole thing up, though. But it seems his mother's murder is the one thing that really shakes Dexter up, and this was a sudden, violent reminder. We cut to a quiet scene of Rita putting the children to sleep, which is a bit jarring having been getting all irate seeing Dexter kiss Lila again. Rita explains to the kids about her and Dexter breaking up. Cody is such a cute little boy. Doesn't he like us anymore? Bless him. Next morning, Dexter's voiceover tells us he knows recovery isn't an option for him. Lila may be the right woman for me, but she's wrong about one thing. Recovery simply isn't an option. When I let my guard down, I open myself up for attack or capture. I need to embrace who I am, who I've always been. I need to kill the man who murdered my mother. I'd almost forgotten this feeling driving toward a kill all my senses sharpened it's like I've been living underwater holding my breath and now I can finally breathe so how come it's so suffocating in here I'm excited are you Dexter back in the game 
Santos Jimenez, your days are numbered, my friend. Dexter himself seems to be feeling a bit invigorated at being on the hunt again, and let's face it, if he's going to kill anyone in this world, who better than that bastard who chainsawed his mother in front of him and spawned the Dark Passenger? He seems to be feeling that he has to do this and keep doing it to stay sane, as peculiar a contradiction that is. Without it, he ends up off his game and open to distraction and outside influence, and that can lead to getting caught. <laughs> so much for recovery then. Back at the police department, Dokes arrives for his meeting with Lundy, who goes through those butcher victim cases that Dokes worked on. The trouble is, Dokes is in no mood to talk. He's uncooperative, so having bothered to turn up for the meeting, he's in there all of about 30 seconds before saying we're done and walking out. The trigger, though, seemed to be the news that bad blood work by Dexter cost the conviction on one of the cases. Meanwhile, Deb and Batista strike gold among the notes kept by Rodrigo's neighbour. He saw Rodrigo being carried to a car and assumed he was drunk, but he also got the number plate. We cut to Dexter, who's now tailing Jimenez in the car. It's dark when Jimenez stops. It's a cabin out in the swamps. Dexter takes him down with the good old needle to the neck. I like the simple trick he did in this scene to get him to come outside of his cabin, turning on the car radio so he'd come out to investigate. Simple but effective. Back at the police station, Deb's trying and failing to identify the vehicle from the number plate. But in walks Lila looking for Dexter. He'd told her he was working late, but Deb seizes the opportunity to stir things up and says, no, he must have lied to you. And you can see on her face and it, hear it in her voice how much she relishes the moment. Men are such pigs, she says, and waves enthusiastically as Lila walks away. Bye. <laughs> I think she enjoyed that moment. And so did I. <laughs> Cut to a restaurant where LaGuerta is sat waiting with the man from the security firm, waiting for Dokes to turn up for a meeting about the job. Dokes is late, and we quickly see why. He's back on Dexter's case, risking everything for his deep belief that something is seriously up with him. Seems like the news about the dodgy blood work was the last straw, and now he's taking a drastic measure, breaking into Dexter's apartment. Oh, shit. <laughs> back with Deb. A lot of quick cuts between these scenes, <laughs> with dodging about a bit. But she's been joined by Lundy and Batista. They find who the car belonged to and are gutted to realise that the owner was arrested a few days before Rodrigo went missing. The car was impounded by Miami PD, meaning that only someone from Miami PD could have signed it out. As Batista says... Holy shit. Bay Harbor Butcher is one of our own. You'd better believe it. Batista understandably goes off to have a stiff drink, and you can understand them being shocked. This is a massive shock to them. Someone they work with has seemingly murdered all these people. A serial killer living among them? Someone they know and trust? How would any of us feel? Then we cut to the Bay Harbor Butcher in action. Dexter's got Jimenez on the table, who briefly tries to bargain for his life, before then thinking, ah, oh, bugger it, <laughs> and threatening to kill Dexter. It's a pretty big moment in Dexter's life, this, killing the man who killed his mother and set a young boy on a dark path. I would have quite liked more of a conversation between the two here, but I guess we got most of that the last time they met. And it's a very fitting end, Dexter using a chainsaw to do the deed.
From the blood spraying over Dexter's face guard, we briefly join Rita and the kids returning home, and Rita notices the front door was unlocked. We see a shadow move in the background. No prizes for guessing who that probably was, but what's she up to? Back to Dexter's apartment, and Dokes hits pay dirt. He's a canny detective, remember, and after searching the place, he eventually gets to the aircon unit, opens it up, and finds Dexter's blood slides. Well, spank me with an ironing board and call me Mildred if this doesn't spell holy shit with a capital H and a capital S. <laughs> but that's not the end of the episode. Oh no, there's more. Dexter, sitting on the floor of a blood-soaked kill room, Kind of a nice little throwback. And he's looking through Jimenez's wallet and he finds a note that has the address of the bowling alley where he was mur where he was attacked. I nearly said where he was murdered. <laughs> where Dexter was attacked. Lila. Was she wanting him dead? Was she just wanting Jimenez to hurt him and encourage Dexter back into her arms? She's a crazy bitch, but still it doesn't end there. Dexter's phone rings. It's Rita asking him if he'd been in her house, since he had the only other key. Dexter says he hadn't, but then he looks and sees the keys missing from his keyring. Quick dash back to the city. Rita and the kids are safe, but Dexter pays Lila a visit. She doesn't deny going to Rita's, but says it's Dexter's fault for lying to her. She doesn't deny calling Jimenez either. And honestly, she just seems pathetic. You were pulling away. <laughs> if she hadn't put Dexter's life in danger or just been so terribly manipulative, she might have evoked a little sympathy. Or I suppose she does deserve a little sympathy. She's ill, clearly, mentally unstable. There's some good acting here from both Hall and Jamie Murray. Control has truly shifted and the darkness shrouds Dexter, controlled anger in his voice and a cold stare full of malevolence. What? You, you are more dangerous than my addiction will ever be. That's saying a lot. Stay away from Rita. Stay away from me. What? you will see the monster love it one of the highlights of the season right there the balance of power has shifted back to Dexter he's taken control back he's killed Jimenez I resist the urge to use the phrase avenge his mother because although he's killed her murderer is anything ever going to be enough to make up for what that murderer did to those two young boys but how's Lila going to react to the very obvious threat She's obviously got a screw loose. If she rallies, she could still be a big problem. And then there's the minor detail of Dokes' discovery. There's no doubt at all in his mind now, and with physical evidence in his hands, this could spell the end for Dexter. Listener Feedback Following on from the last podcast in which we reviewed uh, episode 7, Morning Comes, 
I had a, a little bit of feedback about the podcast itself from uh, our friend our friend Matthew Battles in London, who uh, commented that it was a good podcast, but um, noted uh, a, a reduction in audio quality of the sound clips that I used from the episode. Um, and yeah, thanks, Matthew. I, I was um, <laughs> unfortunately I was acutely aware of the reduction in quality myself, and I was really disappointed that I couldn't couldn't reproduce the uh, the quality of sound from the original um, DVD. I use Audacity, uh, which is a free uh, open source program that's widely available, uh, not just to um, record sound clips, but also to actually edit the podcast. Um, and for some reason, all of a sudden, Audacity has started... When, when I'm playing the DVD and I'm listening to it through my headphones, the audio is perfect. As soon as I hit record on Audacity to start capturing the audio clip that I want, the sound starts to dis distort and it sounds a bit tinny. And I don't know why. Um, it must be a setting within Audacity, I guess, but I've not changed anything. Um, so what I've had to do is, is then... With, with the ripped audio clip, I then have to run various filters over it and... Sorry about that. <laughs> Bless him. Uh, as I was saying, yeah, the, the audio clips, I I guess you don't need to know all the ins and outs, but suffice it to say, for some reason, the, the quality has deteriorated, and um, I don't know what I've changed, or if there's a problem with my laptop, the, the sound card, or something, I, I don't know. Um, but I, I've done my best this time to try and tweak the clips a bit better and um, hopefully the sound quality is is improved on last time let me know if um, if there's been any improvement or just let me know what you think if whether it's acceptable this time um, and uh, I'll leave the settings as they are for next time so apologies and, and thanks Matt for for your comment elsewhere on Twitter Kate Whiten dropped me a line just to say that she loved the interview with David Zayas uh, that she really enjoyed it uh, and said that she would have been like a giggling little girl. <laughs> Thanks, Kate. Um, I certainly was nervous, but um, as I said last time, David's openness and willingness to talk about the show and his character helped me enormously and, and helped me to relax. So um, I'm glad you enjoyed it, and, and thanks to everybody who um, who has sent in feedback on that, including Matt Cook, uh, occasional uh, guest on the podcast on Facebook, uh, he commented that you definitely got the feeling that Zayas completely understands his character and what he wants to do with it. Yes, indeed. Um, and I guess to be fair to him, he's played this character for the best part of seven years now. This is his seventh season. So, um, you know, he's, he's, he's lived with this character a long time. So um, he's, he's invested. And uh, from what I can gather from the publicist, David loves working on Dexter and um, enjoys talking about it. I had an email from Mark Rosmus who uh, said just to let you know that I have recently started to listen to your podcast and I'm finding it very enjoyable. It's made me re-watch Dexter from the start. Thanks for taking your time in producing a great podcast to keep me entertained through work. Thanks Mark. It's good to be reminded that the, the show does still pick up new listeners and um, I mean for me with my own TV watching I, I'm still 
starting on new shows or new shows for me that might have been around years a case in point is is the one i think i mentioned last time that i'd started watching oz uh which is a show that david zayas mentioned it's a prison show that was on hbo back in the i think it started in the very late 90s and ran for five seasons or six seasons uh and i've started watching that so it's a new show for me although it's an old show in in real terms and you know dexter's been around a few years but clearly people are still picking up the show and as in the case of Mark it's encouraged the podcast has encouraged him to uh, go back and rewatch the show from the start and and that's good it, it's um you know it's part of my aim really encouraging new viewers to the show and maybe encouraging old season viewers to go back and revisit some of the old classics and um enjoy them all over again with um sort of up to date season 6 soon to be season 7 eyes Okay, I got some feedback about this latest episode, episode eight. It's from our good friend Travis. Hey, Gareth, it's Travis. I'm uh, calling in to to chat just a little bit about uh, season two, episode eight, Morning Comes. Uh, Now, you probably can't tell, but it's late for me. It's really, it's past my bedtime. And my voice is, uh, my throat's kind of sore. I've been talking a lot today, so forgive me if, uh, this sounds worse than normal but at any rate this episode had a lot of stuff come that was a long time coming you know uh, we had I guess the biggest thing I'll start with the biggest thing first and I suppose work backwards you know like not only do the, do we know Lila's a psychopath which is what was established last episode but Dexter figures it out and oh man does that feel great you know he telling Lila like Oh, you know what? You know you're gonna see the monster, or whatever. Like, oh my gosh, man! I, I I was amped as hell when that shit happened. So great! It was like, oh, I felt so good for that to to be happening. <laughs> to be happening. Uh, we also have uh, in this episode, Dokes finds Dexter's blood slides. Like, oh god! I remember that was one of the moments. You know, this is back in 2007. Now I was watching. I remember that was one of the moments where I felt like. Oh my god, you can't do that. Like, I really felt like, you're, they can't do this. What? Because I knew once Dokes found the slides, there was no turning back. Like, are they really going to go down this path? I was, I was surprised, like, that uh, they were, that they had the, the balls, the nerve to do what they did. Uh, also in this episode, uh, I know that Deb and Lila kind of butt heads and there's some funny stuff going on there. Uh... I remember I was really in love with Deb's character just because you know how much I told you I don't like Lila and so everything Deb said regarding Lila I really I was always happy about uh, the way Deb was so discourteous to Lila I like that a lot um, you know because I guess it was the only way that I could uh, I feel I could be discourteous to Lila through Deb something that uh, I remember about this episode that uh this is something that always has bothered me about Dexter the series. They've done it before, and they definitely do it later in later seasons. About the way Dexter follows people, like Dexter follows Jimenez to uh, the woods, like to his secret cabin in the Everglades, and somehow Jimenez doesn't realize he's being followed. I don't know. Is it really that easy to tell people in real life? I don't know. And not only does he tail Jimenez without being noticed, but he gets there before Jimenez. Remember we see Jimenez pull his car up to the little cabin, and then there's Dexter already parked in his car there? I don't know. That's 
maybe it's a little nitpicking, but this show does that kind of stuff a lot when Dexter's tailing somebody. Uh, we'll see that happen again in the future. But speaking of Jimenez, that's another thing that's a long time coming. Very satisfying to see Dexter kill for the first time. Well, I guess it's only been two episodes since Dexter's killed somebody. Seems like a long time. This is the first time I guess he's done... It, well, I don't know. It just felt really satisfying, you know, with the chainsaw, very brutal, and it was a personal kill for Dexter. So, it was very, um, very cool. But anyway, uh, I believe that might be it. Uh, I don't want to stop uh, before I before I start rambling more than normal. Senator Gareth, you're the man. Cheers, Travis. I can always rely on you, mate. <laughs> Sorry to hear that you, you obviously had a sore throat there. Uh, clearly you weren't feeling very well because it's not like you to talk too much. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, you like the scene where uh, Dexter gives Lila what for. It was indeed a very nice feeling for Dexter to take control back. I was, I was cheering. <laughs> Good on you, Dexter. Great scene. Dokes finding the slides. I remember the first time I watched this episode, uh, whenever it was a few years ago, and it really was a holy crap moment where you're thinking, this is it, Dexter's done for. And it was in the days when I wasn't so in tune on the internet in terms of looking up news about my favourite TV shows. So at that point I had no idea whether there was going to be a season three. For all I knew, this was it. Um, so I quite bought in, I, I very easily bought into this being it for Dexter and this being the, the beginning of the end and... For me, it seemed like a game changer. There was no way back, and, and Dexter would be outed by Dokes. I mean, as things stand, we don't know whether this is it or not. Obviously, if you're watching this for the first time, um, who knows which way the rest of the season's going to go. Is, is, is Dokes going to out Dexter? What's he going to do? He's got this hard evidence in his hand. Um, he's got Dexter by the short and curlies. And Travis, you pick on that, that scene with Dexter tailing Jimenez, which is, I know it's been a bit of a complaint of yours over the seasons um, when Dexter tails people. And and you question um, how well or not, as the case may be, Dexter, how Dexter does, um, how good a job he does. And um, are people really that stupid and that crap at noticing whether they're being tailed or not and and I think honestly for the most part unless you're a trained security professional you know if you're a spook or um, you know a spy or a, um, I don't know a, a, maybe even a terrorist who, who's trained to be um, paranoid and always keep an eye over over one shoulder uh, and, and almost expects to be tailed at some point as for Jimenez I, I don't know whether he had any reason to be overly suspicious and, and to suspect that he was being followed. So I think we can cut him some slack and um, think, you know, that most of us, we're not looking over our shoulder. I know you could argue that Jimenez was up to no good. He had all those drugs in his cabin and he might be wise to keep an eye out for any competitors who might want to tell him to his stash. Uh, who knows what sort of setup he had or what his rivals, what the state of his rivals, if there are any, what the status there was. Anyway, but you're right to uh, raise the point that Dexter seemed to be already there. He had no idea where he was going. We saw he was um, uh, keeping an eye on his, his whereabouts on his um, sat-nav in his car. 
uh, keeping one eye on that and see which direction he was, they, they were going in. Um, but as Jimenez pulled up and got out of the car, the camera panned across and Dexter was already sitting there. How the hell did that happen? <laughs> so I think you're right, and, and that is uh, a bit of a faux pas by the writers. I guess um, they could have equally just shown Dexter pulling up some, some way off behind with, with his lights off and, and watching Jimenez from afar, watching him go, in, go into his cabin. And then he could have pulled up a bit closer or, or, or better still walked up got out of his car and, and got closer on foot, that would have made more sense, that would have been more logical. So I think we've, we've or you have caught the show out there, because <laughs> I must admit when I was doing my rewatch and, and making notes for the podcast, I didn't pick up on that, as I should have done, because uh, you know, you've mentioned it before, I think others have, have maybe queried it before. Um, so yeah, well done sir. <laughs> so thanks as always Travis for your um, excellent comments there. Um, if you wish to uh, send in any feedback like Travis did or, or indeed any of our other correspondents this time, the voicemail lines are always active. In the US, it's 646-222-6122. And that number is also dialable uh, internationally, if you so wish. In the UK, we have a special line for UK listeners. It's 0844 and in the uh, sorry, with that number, you enter mailbox ID 08320 when the voice prompts you. There's also email, which is dissectingdexter at gmail.com, where you can also send an MP3 voice recording or an iPhone voice recording, as Travis does. There's also Twitter at dissectdexter or my personal Twitter, which is at Gareth underscore UK. There's also the Facebook page. Hop onto Facebook, search for Dissecting Dexter and you'll find it. And before I move on, quick shout out to the podcast sponsor, Audible, who are one of the finest online purveyors of Audible content, both fiction and non-fiction, with over 100,000 titles to choose from. For your free audiobook download and free one-month trial, go to audibletrial.com slash Dexter. And if you do that, you'll be supporting the podcast, as a few of you already have done. And as I mentioned last time, I'm very grateful. Thank you very much to those of you who have done so far. If you're interested in um, my own recommendation, uh, I am very much into a, a writer, a British writer called Mark Billingham, who has become one of my favourite writers. Um, his series of novels, usually featuring the detective Tom Thorne and centred around... London, the London area. I liken Mark Billingham, he's a little bit like uh, Michael Connolly, who is an American crime writer. Great writer. Uh, but Billingham's have um, slightly more humour, <laughs> slightly lighter, although a lot of the content can be very dark. So if you like sort of dark, gritty crime novels, then certainly check out um, Mark Billingham's Tom Thorne novels uh, which most of which are available in audio form at audible so uh, check out mark billingham on there as you can download as i say download a free audio book audibletrial.com slash dexter and you'll be supporting dissecting dexter thanks guys <laughs> Next time on Dissecting Dexter. You know, I'm kind of 
flirting with uh, the next time on Dissecting Dexter section. I'm really between two minds about what to do with it. <laughs> Again, I'm not going to read a synopsis because, um, you know, it's kind of spoilerish and um, I don't want to spoil anybody. But the next episode is episode 9 of season 2. It's called Resistance is Futile. And um, for the Star Trek fans among you, I don't think this is any kind of Borg reference. Um, but what I do wonder and speculate about the next episode is... Well, Dokes has got the blood slide, isn't he? That's the big thing. Dexter, no doubt, is going to take the Jimenez blood slide home open his aircon and find, holy cow, where the bloody hell are my slides? Um, is he going to suspect anyone other than Dokes of finding them? He's going to, I think he's going to soil himself <laughs> with fright when he finds those slides gone, assuming Dokes does take them and, let's face it, he'd be a fool not to. And also, Dexter's going to feel the tug of paranoia after his meeting with Lundy. Although holding his hand up and conceding that he made a balls up with that blood work, it might not be enough for Lundy to accept. Although we know Dexter, he's not always the most rational, clear-thinking person when he's under pressure. And remember, Lundy's meeting with Dokes didn't entirely go swimmingly, did it? With Dokes walking out like that. But then Dexter doesn't know about that. So um, it's going to be up in the air. And I remember how I felt first time I watched this season. I was so excited, Dokes finding the slides, I thought, this is it. And as I've said before, I'll say it again, Dexter, the TV show for me, is always at its best when Dexter is under great pressure and under great threat of discovery. So I think we're in for some fun over the final few episodes of the season. You're listening to Dissecting Dexter. Is that serious shit? <laughs> Okay, so that brings us to the end of another Dissecting Dexter. Uh, I'm away next week. Uh, when am I recording today? It's the 31st of May, so uh, it's, it's school's half-term here. Uh, and I've put the week off work. We're going to do some stuff with the kids, take them away and whatnot. Uh, I may talk about that on the next podcast if, uh, if I remember. <laughs> what it does mean for the show is that it will set me back a week or so for my, my recording schedule. So it'll probably be well into June before I get another one done. Uh, so... I'll not keep you any longer. Until then, when uh, we can get together and dissect some more Dexter. Take care, guys. Thanks for your support, as always. Bye for now.